0: Yeah. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us in this week's uh, MediaWorks Digital Drop-in. So, the subject for this week is is going to be uh, evolution or extinction, and and the time you know is the time now for digital transformation, and, and, and what are you kind of doing about that, and, and and how critical is that up your kind of priority list? Um, I think kind of where this has come from, you know, over the last five months since the the kind of the the impact of of COVID really kind of kicked off and, and, and burst onto the, into the scene. Um, the pandemic's kind of changed a, a lot of different aspects of our lives. I think what we wanna really focus on in today's session for the next 30, 45 minutes is looking at um, some of the insights we've seen um, you know, with our clients or, or in general in, in some really key marketplaces, but, but focused around online commerce, um, how social distancing is, is impacted off the back of the lockdown and how that's changed behaviors of consumers um, and I suppose ultimately what the role is that digital has to play in that moving forward and in, in, in what your businesses and your brands need to be thinking about in order to, to embrace this this next sort of six, 12 months and, and, and survive the, the pandemic. And I suppose not just survive, but thrive and, and come out the back end into what. What the new normal is going to look like. Um, my name is Brett Jacobson. I'm founder and, and CEO of MediaWorks. Uh, today on the panel, I've got Daniel Hogan, who is CTO at MediaWorks. Morning, everyone. I've got Paul Mallett, who is managing partner of our Leeds office. Morning, everybody. And we've got Andy Glentonsopp, who is creative director here at MediaWorks. Morning, everybody um so the the kind of format for today we've got three or four kind of key areas that we want to just chat through and, and like i said there'll be q a throughout so just feel free to ask any questions you've got and then we'll wrap that up with some kind of key summary insights at the end and and hopefully have everyone away by by no later than twelve fifteen. um yeah so i think the, the first area we're going to discuss is is just looking more specifically at the retail landscape and and trying to think about how that's shifted over the last five months from that initial lockdown period and kind of what we've seen since then. Um, I suppose a the, the big stat that kind of jumps out of this for me that I was reading a couple of weeks ago was, you know, from, a, from an online retail perspective, I think it was estimated that within the UK, it took 10 years for e-commerce to go from 10% of all retail sales to 20%. Um, during the pandemic, it took six weeks to get that from 20 to 30%. So effectively, we saw the same growth in six weeks that had taken the previous decade to get to, um, which is pretty, pretty frightening. Um, I think especially if you're a, a retailer that hasn't already embraced digital or embraced digital as much as you maybe should have or, or could have. Um, and I suppose, I suppose, yeah, maybe it's Paul coming to you first. What, what have you maybe seen in that retail market and, and what have we seen across the clients and in other sectors yeah. where the demand's change.
1: Yeah, so I mean, like you say, there's been this huge growth in online, uh, which is great. And I think that um, clearly everybody's been really interested to know what would happen with, um, you know, high street retails, uh, retailers, and, and whether that would bounce back. I mean, we've all been interested from our you know, looking at the economy and that you know, or with our fingers crossed that things would 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 bounce back quite quickly. And I think that that was really interesting. So, the, so the data last week coming back from um, ONS was that uh, actually high street sales overall had returned to three percent higher than their pre-pandemic levels. Mm. So it's been driven by a number of you know different categories. So fashion was doing really well. Um, and uh, you know, fashion. And, and, uh, you know, so some key things were, were were happening. So I think that that was quite good news. But then at the same time, you've got John Lewis, um, who you know, the the their, their high street sales haven't been doing good, and, and they're now forecasting that kind of sixty to seventy percent of their sales are going to shift online now, and that is hugely up from where they were. Um, I think you've seen, you know, if we go through the categories about this shift from high street to online, so fashion have gone from 40% to 86% of online sales as a whole category. Home and garden has gone from 48% to 67%. You know, these these are really big shifts. Now I think Really, what, what I find interesting in that then is how do, you, how do you make sense of all of that? So yes, if you're a pure online retailer, great you, you're probably doing better than you ever have done. If you're kind of running a mixture between uh, high street and, um, and and online, I think it starts to raise really in- interesting questions about how you plan your calendars, I think is a really interesting one. When are you going to run sales? Are we going to be in one big perma sale now, all the way through Black Friday, Cyber Monday, into Christmas, and then and then New Year? Um, how is this going to work, relate to trying to encourage people back into the cities to go back to work? You know, we're in in Leeds. I'm still I'm still working from home, but next week we're back in the office all the time. Uh, am I, I, you know, am I atypical, or is everybody going to do that? So I, th- I think for me that, that's where it's interesting. We're in, we're, in, we're in this world now where we're going to have this blend between the online and the offline. Um, uh, the, 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 the high street isn't doing as badly as people thought, but how is this going to work out as a promotional calendar? As a, as a you know, and, and where, where 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 should you be putting your investment at this time? I, th- I think I think that for me is a the really interesting bit because people will be be behaving differently and. Um, you know, Christmas might feel a bit different this year. I don't know. So I think those are the key things to look out for.
0: Definitely. No, I mean, that's, that, that's a really interesting point, Paul. I think, you know, adapting and overcoming that and just, I suppose, just watching for those kind of changing trends is going to be key for all retailers. That normal calendar isn't going to be in play. Um, so, yeah, they've got to be prepared for to overcome those. I think, I suppose, Dan, maybe it's coming to you in terms of what approach you've seen from brands in terms of driving like that digital approach forward and not so much having to battle and contend with them offline challenges. Yeah, well, I think as Paul said, you know, a lot has changed and I think there's been a lot
2: of, you know, reactionary short-term projects that people have done. How can we use digital to, to, to get us through this period? I think now it's about that shift to, to long-term and a strategic view on where does digital fit? I think, you know, we've seen it a lot and it's really high on the agenda, but it's it's how do we look at this from a long-term view and, and how does digital strategically fit within the organization? I think, you know, we've we seen last week Fraser's group, so the, the, the company that owns Sports Direct, House of Fraser, they've publicly committed that they're going to put £100 million behind digital and transforming the business that is very much a high street first brand to be very digital first. And I think that is the shift that we're going to be seeing across the board. And I think, you know, give that kind of context, and we've touched on once before, is Primark weren't geared towards digital first. They had no way of delivering that, and we've seen the impact it had on them. It was £650 million per month they lost by having the doors closed because of lockdown. So I think for me, it's just that idea that the view on offline bricks and mortar and online is it's going to come to the forefront, and it's going to be understanding how you become digital first and supported by offline, rather than necessarily being a high street brand that, that has a, an online presence. And as Paul said, the shift really is towards people buying online. So it's how you look at that as a strategic piece and how you can kind of work towards that vision of becoming digital first.
0: Yeah. And like you say, Dan, that's not going to be something, you know, a lot of these larger brands can do overnight. It's going to be a considerable investment, you know, like you say, with the likes of Fraser's Group, putting, you know, 100 million aside for something like that. Who would like you say were very, very focused on the high street. Um, I, I mean Paul we've had a couple of questions just come in there while we're on it we might as well get at them
1: yeah uh, I, I mean I, I, do, I do think it's really interesting so so uh, anonymous attendee snappy, snappy title always like people have got a good name for a, a panel <laughs> um, so how much show has geography played its part and how is that going to affect things so for example football being down more in Leeds and say Wakefield for example so so locally you see you've seen these the, these impacts um it, you know, there's a there's a load of stuff going on here, and um, a lot of it is to do with things like public transport. Um, you know, so if you want to go into Leeds, you've got to have parking, or you're going to be using public transport. People are still avoiding using public transport, so you know it, it's tricky. You know, Leeds train station is is a bit of a ghost town at the moment. You're not, you know, there is no rush hour uh, because people people haven't haven't jumped back into this yet. And also, I think in the cities, you've probably got a lot more. Um, Provision of the courier companies, you know, you, you know, we've got an Amazon depot in Leeds. You know, Amazon, Amazon deliver pretty much 24 hours in Leeds. So in the cities, they're almost better geared up to, um, to to continuing to to use more online services than the high street. And I think that the big cities, it won't be till really our social lives and our and our work lives get back a bit, a bit more normal that you'll see a, a wider embracing of the high street. Um, and, and so, you know, I think that, you know, this whole thing of the towns may be outperforming the cities for a bit. I, I think that, that that's the trend we're going to be. It's a trend we've seen all the way through lockdown. Uh, Google were on Radio 4 this morning talking about the importance of supporting local businesses and smaller businesses in smaller places. And I think that that, that trend will continue. But it will be overcome as people start seeping back into the cities for work and for, for leisure, I think.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. I think we talked about that on a few of these sessions as well, haven't we? whereby we've all been buying more regionally. And I know myself, you know, yesterday we had our local fruit and veg box delivered, which, you know, is a behavior we adapted during the pandemic that we'd never done before, that we've continued, you know, that we're going to continue throughout the back. And we quite like the idea that we're buying that locally sourced produce from a local farm and we're helping people in our region and things like that. So I think you're right, Paul, that's something that's going to continue and that commuter town, yeah, might become a much more engaged hotspots than what they maybe were previously for different reasons. Andy, do you want to, you look like you might want to throw something in there? No, I think it's, I think that it's, a, it's a great observation because, as you said, we have spoke about this early on, you know, local, local
3: businesses and smaller brands have turned themselves online. Digital has been really important during COVID. And actually, you know, there's still lots of, drives and a kind of almost activity to push local, this big eat out to help out massive. Um, and we know everybody's being forced, to, not being forced, being kind of incentivized to eat out uh, earlier in the week. And we, in, our, in the hospitality sector, we've got a lot of people where their online booking engines has, has been through the roof. So digital has then played that huge part to support the incentive to, to kind of make sure that we are getting the tables. And there's a lot more restrictions around how you can book, where you can go. So online... Even though that's a bricks and water activity, online is playing a huge part in making that accessible and opening that up to allow it to encourage and drive that footfall at a local level. So I think, again, it's just a huge, I suppose, a good example of where digital and offline are playing a huge part in driving bricks to water. But if if the online experience isn't there, you're not going to get the people through them. Through the restaurant or the bars or yeah. Yeah. And, and I was, what google was
1: saying on the radio this morning i mean obviously it was a sales pitch for google but um but they said you know it's so important to driving the local economy then is your google maps listings making sure people you know you're, you're open do you have any delivery services that go with it so again e- even in that driving the real the you know the high street economy but in small towns that your digital footprint is going to be critical to to make
0: that happen yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we were even doing that on the weekend. It, Andrew. We were talking about, you know, nah, best places to eat, Gisborne and, you know, Sunday lunch. And all, you, you do where you are, you know, when you're on holiday, where you're local, you will look for that. And there will be some winners and losers off the back of that for sure. Um, I suppose, OK, then, so following on from that kind of initial sort of five months that we're, we're into now, a lot of these different changes will have, will have impacted people's behaviours and, and people's, you know, con- you know Key, I suppose, key purchasing habits and different things like that. Paul, Paul, what's your, what have we seen on that kind of thing from some of the G W I stuff? Yeah, well, stuff?
1: we just got the latest wave through on on global web index behaviours, which is always really interesting. They've been tracking all the way through lockdown, so you know it's a pretty good read on, you know, how people are feeling. Um, and you know, I, I think a really interesting one is that is this pe- people on. believe it or not, are not that concerned about their personal finance. Um, This is borne out by people having saved money during lockdown. They've saved money by not going on holiday. Um, And I think if you're, you know, if you're in the right sectors, then, you know, people are are still feeling pretty confident about their jobs. I know that's not true for everybody, but they're, they're more concerned about global finances and, and the way the government is behaving on their own personal finance. So that's a good thing if we're a retailer. People people are still looking to, to spend money. The the, uh, the big impact is still on big ticket purchases. So 80% of people in the UK are delaying big ticket purchases. So these are showing up for next year's holiday, buying you know a new kitchen, buying a new home, those kind of things. Um, and the trends that we saw that started off in lockdown... People are still loving. So people are still really enjoying being at home with their families, but, um, you know, spending time with their family, spending time with their friends. People's appetite for watching movies online has never been higher. Um, people still haven't watched the whole of Netflix yet. There's still plenty of time to do that. And, um, and things like cooking at home. Cooking at home has not gone away. People are... Are, are still doing it. And, and this is post lockdown, you know, the restaurants are starting to open and, you know, there are other ways of doing these things. So a lot of these habits are sticking, which is really interesting. And the big things that people are saying for next year, um, people are already starting to think about their holidays next year and 48% of people in the UK say they're gonna go on holiday in the UK. Great news if you're running a UK based travel, leisure, b hotel. Or people running staycation, people are going to, 32% of people say they'll just do a staycation, so days out. Um, And I think that, you know, we still see that, and and I did allude to this, that going out is still the big problem for people. So people are still very unhappy about going to large venues. So 40% of people aren't happy about going to a large venue. 40% of people are saying they'll eat out less frequently. Um, so people are concerned. And therefore, the, the key thing about this is that people are looking for reassurance. So the latest GWI statement said that 75% of people um, are looking for companies that behave more sustainably. So more, that's more socially or, or sustainably, um, you know, kind of relevant, being more ethical and looking after their, their customers. So so there's some, some good news and there's some big hurdles to overcome, but a lot of it is down to your behaviour as a brand, as a business, that so you can start to reassure people that you're acting in a way that's going to look after them. Um, I think... The, the 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 other really interesting thing coming out of these things in it and it goes back to a point made earlier about the acceleration of the uptake in digital services there was a really really interesting report from Klarna and Klarna being the darling of everybody who likes to order things online and send it back immediately without paying for it yeah. um, so you know be, before lockdown the average age of their, their their user was 20 and the average age of their user now is 33. now we're talking about averages And so Klarna said this week that by far their most active and biggest customer group is now Gen X. So that's the 40 to 50 year olds. Now, if you'd have sat here in February and said Klarna's biggest audience by the end of the year is going to be 40 to 50 year olds, people would have thought you're having a laugh. But, um, you know, this is symptomatic of lockdown has forced everybody to embrace um, digital services so um so yeah there's uh, you know there's big there's big shifts in consumers behavior and they're very difficult to retract from once you've discovered that your life can be more convenient and easier uh by shopping online using
3: digital payment services why are you going to go back yeah you're definitely not
0: andy do you want to jump in
3: there yeah i think i like that i like the way you described Clona there paul really... <laughs> and the Clona one is really interesting because there's a loads of other things coming out around this kind of shifting What's important? What, what drives people to make that purchase? And, and there's a study that came out from Google that said the, the importance of price has reduced significantly. So 30% of people last year said the price was the most important driver, whereas 2020, it's only 21%. Now, if you think about Clona, Clona's is not about being cheap. Clona's is about being flexible and convenient. And I think it all kind of stems back to this idea of what's now important is convenience and flexibility. And I think as a as a brand, and yes, there is the ethic, the ethical side of things, Paul, where people, you know, we've just went through one of the most kind of rocky periods that I'll, I'll ever remember in my um, lifetime, I'd imagine. And people are feeling very unnerved and very unsettled. So, you know, that that, that ethics and, and how we, you know, the, the workplace that we operate in, how we treat our staff has become very important. Flexibility and convenience is just, is the most and single most important. I think free shipping, it' kind of almost hits the top of the pile when people think of why would you buy so i think it's about right okay we know those those behaviors are there but it's then what do we do about it and how do we act upon it and it's about making sure that all of these things that are now extremely important are at the forefront of all of your journeys and you can and you, if you are making some business change communicate it at all at all at all times you know and if it goes back to traditional e-commerce you know are we shouting about free shipping Are we shouting about extended returns policy? Because one of the biggest um, deterrents I would imagine is getting something and then sending it back. It's a nightmare, isn't it? And that's why I would always go in stores as opposed to online. But if price isn't important and it's about flexibility, then that for me is the main driver that brands need to do on a small scale of just communicating it. But then actually, how can we be more flexible? How can we enrich the buying experience in order to drive more? And I think that's kind of what everyone needs to look at.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah. I think no, I the, gonna... the
2: other yeah. So I was going to say I think the other thing to add is that you know behaviors have changed, but some behaviors have significantly changed, which have really impacted industries. Paul, you mentioned staycations. I think you know that that's how people have shifted in terms of a mindset, but actually that's had a huge impact on the travel industry. So it, it's really looking at that, and if you are within these types of sectors, how can you use digital and messaging and creative to to change that kind of positioning? You know, I think you know, there's a quote from the, the founder of Airbnb that said it took them twelve years to, to build and they lost nearly lost it all within six weeks. It was actually, you know, as a business, they really looked at that from a, a viewpoint of what do we offer and saying how are people changing and focused on, you know, how do we do in in country you know people are not going to go abroad anymore but we're going to use our service differently and actually how do we use messaging within the app to talk about things like deep cleans and what they're actually doing to commit to to making people safe so it's all about this idea of pivoting for some businesses as well you know there's some people that, that are doing doing okay there's others that are doing well and, and they're seeing a bit of an uplift then there's others that are really declining so it's how can you, you use digital help you pivot there and, and all of those different parts of that ecosystem from you know how people engage with you through to how you position the brand is is really important.
0: Dan, that's really interesting. I think, well, all all three guys, I think that's really, really interesting in terms of how, how brands are kind of, you know, altering how they're positioning themselves. I suppose, is there, is there any specific areas sort of related to digital which we're seeing kind of have had a a bigger transformation than others or scaling up in certain areas? Yeah, I think, I think
2: for me, apps is one of the standouts. Um, you know, there was there was you know a few years ago a massive rise and apps were really important. And then there was a bit of a decline, and it was you know maybe apps aren't great. But we've seen notably during the the kind of lockdown period that the apps have massively grown in terms of the, the the way people are engaging with them, downloading them, use them to to interact with brands. And I think you know the the other part, and and again, it was a study from Google that looked at actually it's not just about retailer apps. You know people are now engaging directly with brands through apps. So, you know, you may previously have relied on retailers to sell your product. Now, does an app fit within that kind of customer journey and, and should be using that, using that as, a, as a tool? And I think, you know, apps have a benefit in that, you know, you've got a native experience, they're faster, but also, you know, if that app is on their phone, there's the likelihood that they could potentially open the app and do some impulse browsing and purchasing. So it's kind of a, a free marketing tool in the sense that, you know, you don't have to follow people around. It's there on their phone. And, you know, it'd be a good way to have another touch point with customers.
0: And then, Paul, any, you know, I know some of the clients that you've been speaking with recently are looking at how they can virtualize showrooms and things like this.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. So the, I, mean, I mean, this is this is um, you know not so much trends, but you know what what's what's going on out there in the in, in you know with with our clients. Um, so so ob- obviously, as a result of COVID, we've seen this acceleration of um, of Zoom, what we're all doing now. Um, but you know, there's, 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 this 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 technology has been there for for a long time, but it's just accelerated. So we're seeing this. We we have a client that we work on that's in the kind of healthcare sector, and anybody that's uh, tried to talk to a doctor recently will realise that you do your doctor's calls through Zoom. But you know, this isn't just GPs. This is going to go all the way through whole um, kind of treatment pathways. You know, if you think that you go and see a doctor and they book you in for an X-ray, well, you know, why did you ever need to go to the doctor's surgery to do that? Um, so 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 you're going to you're going to see virtualization of. Um, of, of, of really significant parts of what we do and you know the doctors ones a very serious example but through to virtual design consultations so you're you wanted to get your home made over well you know really someone walking around with a camera and showing you around is just as good as being there in person um and um, you know we've, we've seen it with uh, virtual showrooms with virtual galleries um, you know, think about the world of um, you know, if you're a, a house builder and you're trying to persuade people to come and look at your showroom, and and hey, you know, you you're busy at work. It's difficult for people to get there on time. Well, the, the sales consultant can can guide you around, and not not a not a video, an interactive thing where you can say. No, actually, can you just show me exactly how that works? Where does that door go to? What do you see if you look out of that window? You know, so this virtualization, but in a in a in a not not a, not a virtual reality kind of way, but in a, you know, it's it's real people interacting, is um, it, I, I think is going to be key, and it is key uh, because we know that we've got a number of projects where we're, we're actually actively working on this now, and um, you know, it's it's going to be a big change for a number of different industries
0: yeah it's interesting that and i know there's people like um over the over the past dan we talked about some of this kind of augmented reality stuff that people had had to go out where amazon was showing you how pairs of jeans looked on you and sending you things out automatically and things is it is there other areas you know where where that can come in things like asos and people like this that are trialing areas like that yeah i think
2: definitely i think you know we're probably going to see a resurgence in some of that stuff around ar and vr i think if people don't want to go out of the house, so actually, how do they understand how products are going to look and feel, whether it's in the home or on themselves? So I think there's definitely a view there to understand how how we can we can change that and how we can start bringing that in. And I think, as you say, it, it might apply to fashion, but as Paul says, it's to lots of industries. I think it's just that, that shake up and really understand how do we pivot and say actually how do we we use this technology we've got in front of us to to create a better experience. And I think as Paul said, one of the key things is people's expectations have changed. And if they're seeing it in one industry, they're going to expect it in lots of other industries. So don't just take the fact that it's happening over here because it was kind of happening beforehand and it's accelerated a little bit, that it only applies to that industry. I think that, that people at home are going to expect every business to adapt and give them the best possible experience.
1: Yeah. yeah, we, were, we were, when we were talking yesterday, Dan, and I was saying when I when I first got my uh, Land Rover, and I was really impressed that when you took it for a the service, they send you a little video showing you that there's a break part of the brake pads were worn, rather than just telling you and charging you. Um, and you know that was whatever five years ago, more than that six years ago, and you know you were really impressed, but it didn't become the norm. But now, why why wouldn't it? We're, we've all we're all so used to now doing video calls then why wouldn't anyone say, oh, you need to mend this, you need to do that? I, t- I can't think of an area where actually the the experience of the, the customer, your your experience
0: as a customer isn't improved by being more interactive. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think the think- a good point. It's kind of like you don't have to just be better than your competitors. You've got to be as good as everybody else engaging with your consumers, which I think is, is really, really important. And like you say, that expectations will roll out cross-industry. Um, Andy, do you want to answer me that?
3: Yeah, I think it, just on this whole AR thing, my kind of, I suppose, opinion is I remember, as you say, Paul, five years ago, it'll have just seen, it'll have been seen as not, not a fad or, but just something a little bit new. And it maybe wasn't as embraced as much as it could have been back then because there was an alternative option. You didn't have to put the, the shoe or the handbag in front of somebody in a virtual reality, in an augmented reality state, because you could just go down to the store and actually have a look at it and feel it. But it's become almost critical in order to to kind of be able to engage so it's not just a fad anymore it's not something that's going to kind of come and go it's part of being able to trade and i think there's some some sectors have been hit more so i bought a house recently and you know the whole fit out your kitchen well they were limited how many people they could see so they sent me straight online use the tool that we've developed online that became that went from being a nice to have to being the only way i could order my kitchen and i think that's highlighted the importance of some of these tools and I think it'll be interesting as to how many people continue to do it because I know the high street has had a resurgence and sales are higher than they ever will be but actually if we're going to have less face-to-face touch points with a consumer as a brand then we're going to have to find other ways to stand out and kind of surprise and delight and I think AOR really is going to probably get the Get what it was due, and it's gonna see that insurgence of usage in, in its correct form as opposed to just being a fad or novelty.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think I think the the, the final kind of point that we want to sort of put a nod to and discuss is, is this kind of this shift in people wanting to work from home. So obviously a lot of businesses that were fortunate enough to, to kind of digitize their workforce and have people operating you know from home, you know, throughout the pandemic, such as ourselves. You know, of, of kind of, it, there's been some pros and cons of that and they've introduced new ways, new flexibility for, for the workforce that should definitely be embraced moving forwards. But what's the, uh, I think, what was it? 40% of people I think we saw start the other day want to work from home permanently now. Um, you know, and I think that there probably needs to be a balance in, in my view as a kind of, as a business owner, as somebody who's in a creative and digital sector, it's great to have people in a room and around a table at times, you know, and, and that'll never be replaced that personally you know, for a long time but I think um, but there is a lot of benefits to that um, what's, what's the views on that is the particular verticals that we've seen different things in Dan I don't know if you want to kind of yeah yeah
2: totally. well I think you know we kind of touched on before and that you know Often a lot of the kind of retail was around work. You know, you'd go to the office, you'd pop to the shop on the the way home. If people are working from home, it's going to have a knock-on effect on lots of different industries. I think, you know, probably the the primary one that that we've talked about is kind of health and well-being. So, you know, whether that's split from kind of, you know, food subscription services, which are seeing a massive boom, is there something there that you need to consider in terms of how, how you operate? I think the other piece is kind of working out from home, you know, fitness. And we're seeing a massive change. People don't want to leave, as Paul was saying, their homes from a safety point of view. So gyms are seeing that kind of shift that they're they're not getting people in. So actually, how do they pivot again and use digital? So things like, you know, a a fitness app or a subscription service. And we're even seeing, you know, big players like Apple. There's there's rumors that they're going to bring out a model that allows you to have some kind of uh, fitness subscription service. So actually, these are big kind of macro trends that, big brands are seeing it's it's how do you make sure you you understand what the customer wants and and adapt to that and i think you know health and well-being definitely is one of the primary ones because people are concerned when they're, they're working from home that they're not getting out they're not getting fresh air they're not getting the exercise that they might if they went out so it's understanding what the impact would be if people do work from home and how that will knock onto your business and, and how you would overcome any of those obstacles
0: definitely definitely and paul i mean uh, kind of i know what we've We've run probably in a different space, more like sort of training and personal development education. We've we've run a few short courses recently where we've had crazy success on that. Do you want to? What do you think? Yeah. The of that?
1: I mean, I mean, again, you know, more data coming through. So, sixty percent of Gen Z and millennials are looking to enrol in online learning. Um, you know, that that's that's a crazy figure. And again, I would just put this back to this change in experience. Um, I, I think I think if you, if you really sit down and think about it, that you know we were used to a world of YouTube where you could learn how to plaster a wall or learn how to change the light bulb in your car or learn how to get a certain look with makeup or or whatever. But it was always just one way, and I think that suddenly Zoom has changed people's expectations of what they can get. So an online learning course now could be really interactive. It could have elements where you do a a kind of tutorial and you're all talking about things rather than it just being video based so I can see that people are getting more interested in online learning because online learning itself is changing so yeah you know we've seen huge success with our York St John courses Um, you know record numbers signing up Um, we're working on another project with a client which is more in corporate learning but you know the brief on that has, uh, has, has shifted from being uh, let's use a normal, um, you know, learning management system to give me a fully immersive, interactive experience with Zoom baked into it and, you know, all the rest of it. These, these expectations are, are are shifting up. So this kind of training from home and training, um, you know, as a, as a kind of format um it, it, what 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 recent times have done is shifted people's expectations. Certainly, so to be much, it needs to be richer, the quality needs to be higher, and this thing about it being engaging—that you can talk to the video—I think is. I think we're going to see this as one of the big quantum shifts in in digital technology, where suddenly YouTube looks a bit old when you can interact with things.
0: Definitely, definitely. I think, um, yeah, I think on, on those York St John courses, like you say, for for us to be able to put 4,000 people over sort of 12 weeks across the first couple of courses, you know, and, and get those engaged relatively quickly and easily um, just shows the desire for that, like you say, Paul, and, and it's not, it's not a massive uh, feat, like you say, to get the other side of the screen talking back at you to increase that experience, which is, is quite interesting. Yeah. Um, Andy, anything from you in terms of, I know you're working with a lot of kind of, like you mentioned earlier, hospitality and leisure and that customer service kind of side of things. Anything we've seen there?
3: Yeah, well, customer service, like, there's there's two aspects to that. There's this idea of if we have got people that are prepared to engage digitally, and we've seen that huge shift, uh, you know, you've got, Uh, demographics using digital channels that never used to before and i think this idea of of self-serve people are prepared to self-serve you know we can use video content to help people through certain journeys so i think digital can play a part in allowing people to to serve themselves which will show reduction in requests or that requirement to have customer service teams in some areas but then you've got the other flip side of it where actually where engagement or like kind of face-to-face customer service is required. How, where can digital help there? You know, Paul's talked about people being comfortable using Zoom calls. You know, can we have that customer service aspect being done via a Zoom call? And then I think, well, actually, I, I knew of this before, um, the, the kind of the lockdown area. But, even, you know, if you, people are a bit worried about engineers coming into house, houses. So, you know, if you've got an appointment with a, a plumber, or you know, somebody who wants to come and fit a new boiler. Well, actually, I can't use something like a, a video call to do the, the, the recce of the house, to work out what do you need, what kind of boiler have you got? I'm not quite sure, show you me. know, Because people are feeling more and more comfortable using these technologies. You can, re, you, you can change the way you engage, but you know, the value there is you don't have to have somebody drive all the way there to find out a very simple question. Actually, if you could do that engagement before the engineer came out, Let's we'll make sure he's got all the right kit in his van, so it's not a wasted journey. So there's loads of little little added value that you can get when it comes to customer service. But it's it's all built around this willingness to be digital. You know, people are willing to be digital, so let's embrace it and look for efficiencies internally as well as just kind of you know, given you know, selling product. How can we actually just serve a customer better? I think that's really where I sit with that. I think this digital is is on the on the up from a, a, a kind of business efficiencies internally as well. Uh, I think probably
2: the only other thing I'd say is, is that question that we always say, Andy, which is, how do we use digital to make it the same or better in terms of experience? It's not about because we can't, people don't want to go out the house. How do we just push them on digital with a worse service? Because that's not going to help the brand. It's how do we make it and improve it? So it's always asking the question of, you know, wh- what do we do offline with customers that they like? And how do we then transition that into the, the online world? And, and make sure we develop that. You know, you said things like state agents. You know, the viewing of the house is really important. So, giving someone some flat pictures and a floor plan isn't the same. So, how can you do? You know, a walk around of the house. Seen one the other day with a drone over the top of the house to show you the, the kind of the landscape around the house. It's,
3: it's just how can you do it to improve experience? I think it's the key for me. Yeah, offer offer a offer a digital choice as good as, and but you can not do better, it yeah.
0: better. Yeah, not a worse alternative. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Paul, anything you want to add to that before we kind of wrap up? No, I think, I th- and I think all of that just wraps back
1: round into things like, um, you know, a, a doctor. You know, you you, you, can, you can take a photo of the rash that you've got on your your arm. You know, they can say, can you just waggle it and does it hurt? You know, <laughs> it, it, is it like you say it's the same, but it's better because you're doing it in your home. You haven't had the inconvenience of having to go out, park, but heard the kids around or you know whatever it is so I think I think that's a really really good bit of advice is that you know it always has to be the same uh you know it's equally as good but but if you can then make it better and work out why it's better um uh, then yeah you're onto onto a winner and I think we'll see it across every sector but driven by this technological shift that, that, that the 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 kind of lockdown has has has, has brought on us all
0: Awesome. Absolutely. Okay, guys. Well, um, I think in terms of time, I think that's that's almost us. I think just a quick quick summary from me. I think you know, some of the key areas, I think don't forget that start around, you know, how we've shifted, you know, 50% growth in, in E-tail sales of, of general retail during six weeks that took 10 years to do previously, going from that 20 to 30 percent growth. I think that's phenomenal, and you need to be making sure that that growth is only going to go in one direction so your business needs to be prepared for that moving forwards it's definitely not going to go back to 20. Um, So I think that'll be key I think as Paul touched on you know be be aware of that evolving promotional calendar and those you know is there four or five Black Fridays in a year now not one or two and are you ready for those and what your business doing to to embrace that I think digital first obviously it's a bit of a no-brainer but it's going to be key in, in all sectors and the likes of Dan pointing out that Fraser groups are allocating, you know, hundred million pound sums to start attacking this area. It's a it's a big challenge for a lot of people. So make sure you're getting at this early and you're putting out big plans because that's what you're going to need to solve solve the big problem. Um, I think buying local will still be key. You know, we've flagged a few of those things and that that convenience element and that support in local businesses is still going to be there and and hopefully so. If you are a smaller business you need to be making sure that you're embracing that and taking advantage of some of those quick wins like with Google map listings and social pages updating, you know, locations and delivery times, etc. So do the easy things well, and you'll probably benefit yourself there. Don't, don't ignore those. Um, the key point is price isn't the biggest buying factor now, which is, is probably a full swing from where we were in maybe December 2019. You know, so within six months, that's went from number one to maybe number three or four in terms of a buying decision. Which is—it's got to be a positive thing for for, for retail and, and for anybody really who's, who's selling a product or a service. But think about those things that are number number one important, and, and think about that convenience element, deliveries, you know, extended returns, things like that. And also the softer bits around uh, how is your business treating your staff and your customers, and how ethically and socially responsible are you being? Because that's now a massive buying factor. Um, don't forget those silver surfers as they've been known in the past from, you know, the Facebooks, et cetera, you know, Gen X, this 40 to 50 year old age category are now coming online in the, you know, a swathe. So make sure you're adapting to those, make sure you're targeting them and capturing those. And I think a lot of these behaviors are still evolving. So don't think the impact's been had. I think we're always seeing new behaviors and new impacts. So, you know, you've still got an opportunity to pivot your business if you haven't already made a made a shift to accommodate these new behaviors. Um, I think things like apps, as Dan mentioned, are going to become come really important again. Felt like everyone just wanted an app a few years ago and didn't really know what they needed one for. I think we kind of now know what we need one for. So maybe to revisit those apps, you know, review them, relook at them, redesign them and make sure that they serve the purpose. Um and then I think finally that that work from home visualization uh, sorry, virtualization element of all parts of life, as Paul mentioned quite quite often in and Andy and Dan is gonna be just so key but I suppose the, the, the key bit there which Andy flagged at the end is don't produce a digital worse alternative, you know, make sure that it's at least, if not better than where you're gonna be and, and hopefully improves that whole experience. So yeah, lots for everyone to be at. Um, thought the panel was great, thank you very much guys. And um, hopefully that's been, been useful for all the participants, attendees, and hopefully we'll see you all next Tuesday for next week's installment. Cheers guys, thanks very much. Thank you. <laughs>